Hey Crossbridge, it's so good to be with you today. And if you're a guest, I especially wanna welcome you here as you join us today in this service. If you've been watching our series online, then you know two things. Last week, we started a new series called Guardrails. And secondly, you might notice that I'm not Pastor Jimmy. For those of you who may not know me, and actually I think it's kind of cool that there's probably a lot of you that may not know me because over this last crazy COVID year, you've started watching Crossbridge online and have never actually met me in person. So I think that's really cool that there's people watching this right now that I don't actually know, and I can't wait to get a chance to meet you eventually. But if you don't know me, my name is Jeremy. I'm one of the elders here at Crossbridge, and I'm also one of the members of our preaching team. And today, I'm really excited to get to continue our series called Guardrails. When we first discussed this series and Jimmy came to me, I was really excited to get to be a part of it. Because the idea of placing guardrails in our lives to protect us from the great dangers in our lives, it's not something that's just theoretical to me. You see, my life was actually saved by a guardrail. Twice. When I was a senior in college, my wife and I, at, at that time she was actually my fiance, we were heading back to college after celebrating Mother's Day with my parents and my grandparents. And on the way back, a car pulled out in front of us, we hit that car, slammed into the guardrail on our left, and came to a rest there. Now, when I hit that guardrail with my little geo tracker, don't laugh, that was a great college car, that guardrail held. If the guardrail wasn't there, our car would have tumbled down the cliff to our side into the path of oncoming traffic. So that guardrail literally saved our lives. Now, as of last Sunday, this message was complete. That's where my story ended. I was at one. Monday night, actually Monday afternoon, I was driving from a job site back to my office when a car decided they were gonna cut off a semi-truck got flipped and spun around directly into my car and smashed me into the guardrail on the left, going about 65 miles an hour. Again, a guardrail placed in the road in the safe area of the zone saved my life. It prevented me from going into oncoming traffic. And while my car is probably going to be completely totaled, I came away with nothing more than a few bumps and bruises. So the reason and the benefit for physical guardrails is something very real to me, now, today, more than ever. But I have to admit, I'm not always the best at recognizing the need for guardrails in other areas of my life. And this is what I'm talking about through this series and what we're talking about. Guardrails in our lives are meant to protect us from greater harm. A quick reminder from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16 from last week. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. This church in Ephesus, they needed guardrails, and we need them too. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and please don't feel the need to type this out in the chat, but is there anyone that you've ever met that you later wished that you had never met? Now, please don't elbow the person next to you. That's just going to get you into a lot of trouble. Or maybe that question is a little tough because it hits a little too close to home for you. So maybe what you can ask is, is there anyone that you wish that your husband or your wife or maybe one of your kids had never met? 
let's be honest, this is something that's probably true for all of us. There's some story in each of our lives that we can link to, someone we regret having ever met. You see, there are people we've met that are linked to some of our greatest regrets. I don't know what your greatest regret is, but it's likely related to someone else. Whether it was someone that you were with at the time or someone connected in some other way to that event that you regret. And it's probably not an enemy in your life, but someone that was a friend. You know, there's actually a quip that many of you probably already know, and it goes something like this. A good friend will come bail you out of jail. A great friend will be sitting next to you saying, man, that was fun. If you have a friend that thinks this way, they may be connected to one of your greatest regrets. So as a reminder, a guardrail is actually a system, a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And if you remember from last week, guardrails do two things. They direct us and they protect us. And there's another important thing about guardrails. They're designed to actually be in the safety zone, not in the danger zone. They're set up to keep us in the safe areas. And today we're talking specifically about your friends and associates and what it means to establish guardrails in those relationships. These are the people that you hang out with on a regular basis, the people that you work with, the people that on a day-to-day -day basis you are spending time with. And the reason that we need guardrails in these situations, even with our friends, is because of what we already talked about. Our greatest regrets are often tied to the people we've met. Now, I'm going to take a second and I'm going to jump in front of what can be kind of a tricky issue here and maybe something that you're already starting to kind of push back on on your mind mentally because maybe one thing what you're thinking right now already is, I like Pastor Jimmy. This guy, Jeremy, he kind of seems like he's going to be a judgmental jerk because he's already up here calling out my friends, calling out my coworkers. He doesn't even know these people. And it sure sounds like he's about to tell me to be judgmental. Didn't we just do an entire message a month ago about the church and how it's not supposed to be judgmental? Before you exit out of the app that you're watching on, hear me out. Let's get this out of the way. This is not about being judgmental. What I'm talking about today is about exercising good judgment. And there's a big difference between being judgmental and using good judgment. It's important that we understand this distinction because Scripture makes it very clear that we are not to be judgmental, but we are to use good judgment. Being judgmental is about you. It's me forming an opinion about you. Being judgmental is me having an opinion on what you should be doing or what you should not be doing. Being judgmental is about me setting myself up as a judge. If I'm being judgmental, I've set myself up as your judge. I'm judging your behavior. And we already know from Matthew 7 a few weeks ago that Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. But good judgment is different. Using good judgment is about me. It's about being aware of what's going on in my own life. It's about being aware of what I am like. It's about looking back at my life experiences to identify what is most tempting to me what is most likely to send me careening off into the ditch off of the road. It's looking at my past relationships, how I grew up, the past hurts in my life, 
my past relationships, the failings in my life, where I am now in my life emotionally, where I am professionally, where I am in my marriage, what my hopes and dreams are for my future, and figuring out what is the best thing, the wisest thing, not for everyone else, but for me to do. Me trying to be judgmental is like telling you where the guardrails in your life should be. It's like an engineer never looking at a road, having no idea what it looks like, and telling workers where to put the guardrails up. He has no idea. But you know what? I know where the dangerous curves are in my own life. I know the steep embankments. I know where the cliffs are that lead to destruction for me. Putting up guardrails in those places in my life is just using good judgment. This is all in light of the fact that, again, remember, some of your greatest regrets are related to the people you've met. There's one, two, maybe even more people in your life that when you look back, you wish that you had never met. Now, is that judgmental? Because it certainly seems judgmental, right? But no, this is looking back with hindsight and recognizing that you did not use good judgment when you were with that person. When you were growing up, when you were a kid or a teenager, you can probably look back now and recognize that there were times when your parents were paranoid. They were paranoid about who you hung out with or who you were dating. They may have even forbidden you from hanging out with those specific friends or groups of friends or from dating that specific boy or girl. And as a kid, you resented that. And what was your response when you were that age? That's not fair. You're so judgmental. You don't know my friends. You don't know my girlfriends. They're not like that. Stop being so judgmental. And now, many of you, on the other hand, you are the parents. You think your parents were paranoid? You are paranoid-er. Why? Because you remember you when you were that age. You remember your friends. You know just why your parents were paranoid, because you proved them right. In fact, earlier when you were thinking about the people in your life that you wish you had never met, some of you were thinking about those exact people that your parents were paranoid about. Only today, you actually have an advantage over your parents. Social media didn't exist when you were a kid. Thanks to Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, let's be honest, not Facebook because nobody that is young is on Facebook, but thanks to all those others, you can find out all about your kids' friends, boyfriends, girlfriends. You can stalk them before ever meeting them. You can find out all about them, or at least everything they posted on their primary account, not their Finsta, that's fake Instagram account, the secret account that adults don't actually know about, you can look at those accounts and find out all about these kids. You know who their parents are. You know if their parents have been divorced or not, whether they are running in certain social groups, what they did last summer, what teams they're involved in. You can have a pretty good picture of what the lives of your kids' friends look like. Is that being judgmental? No, that's being nosy. No, it's because you care, right? You're not telling someone else how to raise their kids or telling some other kid how to act. No, you care about the person that God has entrusted you with. When your son or daughter says, you're so judgmental, no, you're just exercising good judgment for your child. And look, 
few teenagers right now that are rolling your eyes in your head or maybe literally right in front of me, look, I get it. I know I rolled my eyes too when I was the same age as you. In one day, you're gonna realize just like every single one of us that your parents were right or at least right more than they were wrong. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. You see, for adults, what your parents knew and what you probably realize now is that there's a phenomenon that happens when you're with a group of people. The people we hang out with, our friends, help determine the direction and the quality of our lives. Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, put it this way in Proverbs 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. The thing about friendship that makes it so marvelous also makes it so hazardous. One of the great things about being with friends is that life starts to become easier. It becomes relaxing when you're with people that you feel comfortable with, that you have a lot of common items with. And when, when this happens, what you do is you drop your guard. And with some groups of people, that's okay, that's safe. That's where life is actually really truly lived. But with some people, that's dangerous. The same things that make friendship so beautiful and filling is also what makes it so hazardous. The people we surround ourselves with help determine the direction and quality of our lives. Now, you don't have to trust my word for this. This is just Jeremy talking. I'm not an expert on this stuff. But there's been scientists that are much smarter than me that have done experiments proving that who we hang out with helps determine our path. A neuroscientist named Moran Cerf conducted studies looking at the brain waves of people interacting. He was looking at these through an MRI machine as they interacted, and he found that the more we study engagement, we see time and again that just being next to certain people actually aligns your brain with them. This means the people you hang out with actually have an impact on your engagement in reality beyond what you can explain. And one of the effects is you become alike. The idea is that not, it's not even something we necessarily are conscious that it's happening. We're not deciding to do this. Rather, we start to become like the people around us, the people we're spending time with, on a subconscious brainwave level, simply by proximity. This is happening right now. The people that you're sitting next to, if you look to the left and to the right, the people you're sitting next to right now are starting to have the same brave wave pattern as you are, just by proximity. Earlier, as we worshiped together, our brain waves all started to line up together. If you're worshiping together, that starts to line up together, and we start to think the same. That's a little unnerving, isn't it? The idea that we don't even control this. So remember, 3,000 years ago, Solomon said, walk with the wise, and you become wise. He didn't have an MRI to read brainwaves, but he already knew this. Simply walk with the wise. There's no effort here. There's no work there. It just happens. You surround yourself with the wise, and you will become wise. 3,000 years ago, Solomon was saying what neuroscientists today are basically saying. Wisdom can actually be contagious. Just by surrounding yourself with wise people, you will absorb it from them and become wise yourself. How cool is that? But what's the rest of that passage from Solomon? He says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. 
Now this translation, it sounds a bit harsh and judgmental, right? He's talking about fools. That doesn't sound too nice. Well, if we go back to the actual Hebrew, the Hebrew word for fool, what it really is, is kind of close to saying like a careless person. A fool is someone who simply isn't careful. Now, what's interesting is what Solomon says here, or rather what he actually doesn't say. He says, walk with the wise and become wise. But what does he say next? Does he say that companions of fools become fools? No, that's not what he says. He actually says something that's even worse than that. If you live life with fools, with people who live carelessly, you won't simply become careless yourself. Eventually, you will suffer harm. When something bad happens to them, it's more likely that something bad's going to happen to you. It's a proximity thing. If you are in a relationship with people who live life carelessly, the closer you are to them, the more likely you are to suffer harm when their careless decisions send their life careening off the road. And maybe you're thinking, yeah, but I don't do the things they do. Well, again, Moran Cerf says, the more you spend time with them, the more your thinking is going to align with them, then it's more likely that you are going to actually do those same things. But even if you're not making the same decisions, as Solomon points out, you will suffer harm simply from proximity. When someone's life in proximity to yours blows up, the closer you are, the more likely you are to be struck by shrapnel. And if you're a parent, you understand this already. It's not necessarily that you think that your kid is going to be making bad decisions, but what you worry about are the bad decisions that your kid's friends are making, and you worry that those are gonna blow back on your child. Again, this isn't judgmental. This is just using good judgment. Friends who aren't careful with their lives aren't going to be careful with your life. Friends who aren't careful with their finances aren't going to be careful with your finances. Friends who aren't careful with their marriages are not going to protect your marriage. Friends who aren't careful with their health aren't going to take care of your health. Friends who don't care about their reputation aren't going to care about your reputation. And friends who don't care about their future aren't going to give a whole lot of thought about yours. This is just good judgment. And I'm not just talking about high school or college. I'm not talking to just the kids here. This applies to everyone wherever you are in life. You know what? Friends who lie and cheat, they feel better when you lie and cheat. Friends who are going to have that extra beer that they maybe shouldn't have, they feel better about it when you have that extra beer that you shouldn't have. You know this is true. You know that that's how we operate. Friendship can be awesome, but it can also be hazardous. Friendship needs guardrails. So what I'd like to do is recommend five different guardrails you can put in your life regards to friendship. And I'm going to ask you to listen to this, not through a filter of what you're hoping that your spouse hears, or what you hope your kids are going to hear right now, or what you hope your friend's going to hear, or who you're going to send this because they really need to listen to this. I want you to listen to this and hear what you need to hear. Remember, each one of us lives a unique life, and each one of the roads in our lives looks different and may need different guardrails. But these five suggestions, I think, are some great places to start. Here's guardrail one. When it dawns on you, your core group isn't moving in the direction you want your life to be moving, that's a guardrail. 
This should light up your conscience when you realize this happens. Yes, I enjoy the same things, watch the same shows, listen to the same music, and the people around me, we have the same interests. But when I look at the direction their lives are moving and realize they're not headed in the direction I see for my life, this should be a warning to you. That's a guardrail. It's not a good or a bad thing. This isn't a judgmental thing. It's a judgment thing. Where our friend group is heading is where they are leading us. Now, we don't really want to think about other people leading us in certain directions, but that is the case. Friendships are dynamic. Relationships are dynamic. Where our friends are going is where we're going to go. And when you look back on your life, you know that's true. Where your friends were headed, that's where you headed too. And we do the same thing. We pull our friends in the direction that we're headed as well. So we have to be careful. And when we find ourselves realizing that our group is going in a different direction than what we have planned for our life, we need to take stock of what that means for us. We need to stop and pause and think about that. Guardrail two. When you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than you really are. Oh, this one, this one can be tough. Some of you have been pretending to be somebody else for so long that you don't even know who you are anymore. But if you know who you are, and you find yourself sitting there, nodding your head along to something that inside you're saying, I don't believe that at all. I don't want to do that. I don't agree with that. That should be lighting up your conscience as a warning to you. That is a guardrail. When you find yourself pretending to be someone other than who you really are, this should be a warning to reassess those relationships around you. If our desires and our brains, our traits are being shaped by the people around us, and we find ourselves pretending to be someone we don't want to be, we need to rethink where the relationship is taking us. It's a big red flag when you find yourself doing one thing on the outside and thinking something completely different on the inside. Don't settle for friends that force you to pretend to be something that you're not. Because what you're doing is you're actually lying to yourself and you're lying to your friends as well. You're being a bad friend yourself if you're doing this. Now, does this mean that you need to stop being friends with this person? Maybe, but maybe not. What it does mean is that you need to pause and you need to figure things out. Guardrail three, when you feel pressure to compromise. Not once you compromise, that's already into the danger zone. But when you feel pressured to compromise, this should light up your conscience knowing dangers ahead. Let me put it this way. When something that wasn't a temptation before suddenly becomes a viable option, that's your guardrail. When something that never tempted you before, you know, the thing that before you never had a problem saying, you know what, you guys just go ahead without me. That's not a problem. Or, nah, ladies, you know what, I'm just going to sit this one out. It's not a big deal. But when you're skipping that or you're driving home and you're thinking, you know what, maybe I will just go ahead and do it. Maybe I should, maybe it's okay. As soon as that happens, that should light up your conscience. When you start to think about reasons for why it maybe is okay, it's time to stop and pause. What should you do with that? I don't know. I don't know. But when you feel the pressure to compromise, we should recognize that guardrail and it should bother us. That temptation should bother you. 
when you start to imagine what it could be like to compromise, not after you've already gone past that point, it should bother you and you should pause and you should reassess. Guardrail four. When you catch yourself thinking, I'll go, but I won't participate. Yeah, we're gonna laugh about that, right? Because would you buy this from your 14-year-old daughter? You know, well, dad, well, you know, it's gonna be a bunch of guys and you know, it's, it's my girlfriend and I with a whole bunch of guys, we're just gonna go over and yeah, you know what? Other people are going to be drinking, but, but I'm not, I'm not gonna be doing anything wrong. Yeah, right. Like, are we gonna drop her off? Yeah, sure, honey, you what? No problem. In fact, you know what? That crop top looks great on you too. Those shorts, they're not too short. When do, when do we go? Absolutely not. You're gonna give her two responses, right? She's got two choices. Either the answer is just absolutely not, that's not happening, or sure, you know what, you can go, I'll come out and we'll hang out with your friends all night. I'll be happy to enjoy that time hanging out with your friends at this party. I'm sure we'll have a great time. We'd never buy this from our kids, our grandkids, our nieces and nephews, right? So why would we think that this is true for ourselves? The truth is we can deceive ourselves much more easily than when the same excuse is used by our kids. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go, but if you find yourself thinking, I'll go, but I won't do dot, 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 this should be a red flag to you and it should make you pause and reconsider what direction your friendships are leading you in. Our fifth and final guardrail. When you hope the people you care about don't know your whereabouts. This should be a guardrail. This should light up your conscience when that happens. Even if you get to where you're going and you do nothing wrong, even if you don't do anything illegal, even if you're not in any way unfaithful, what you've done is if you started in your heart and in your mind, what you've begun is to establish the kernel of a lie. You haven't lied yet, but if you're now tempted to lie so someone you care about doesn't find out where you've been, this should be something that lights up your conscience and puts up the red flag. When you find yourself hoping the people you care about don't know your whereabouts, you're hitting a guardrail. And this should be a warning that if you keep heading in the direction you're going, you are headed into the danger zone and eventual harm. If you're hoping someone doesn't find out where you are, whether it's someplace physical, or whether it's someplace online, or communicating with that person, that should bother you if you're starting to worry about that, if you're hoping that somebody doesn't find out. Now we know that this is not what our culture tells us, right? Culture says, oh, Come on, does your wife really need to know wherever you go? Does she need to know where you are at all times? Or, you know, you're not really doing anything wrong. Doesn't your husband just trust you? What he doesn't know won't hurt him anyway. If they ask, you know, just tell them and they give you an excuse. And again, maybe this all sounds judgmental or kind of over the top, all of these guardrails. Like, maybe it's something that this is really just for our kids, but here's why I feel so strongly about all of this. It's because of the stories of the people's lives I've heard. It's because 
of what I read in the news. It's because I know about my own life. It's because tomorrow, people listening to this message right now, people living in our community, people living in New Jersey, people living throughout this country, they're going to wake up. They're going to wake up tomorrow. They're going to stumble into the bathroom, and they're going to look themselves into the mirror, and they're going to wonder how they got to where they are. They're going to see the person they woke up next to, and they're going to wonder. They're going to look at themselves and see the person they are, and they're going to wonder. They're going to wonder, how did this happen to me? How did I get here? And the answer to all these questions is probably the same answer. Our friends still determine the direction and the quality of our life. It's why you need guardrails. It's why I need guardrails. It's why we set these guards up in our life, not to push us back once we've already entered the dangerous territory, but set up as warnings in the safe zones to protect us from ever entering those hazardous areas. Now, it wasn't just Solomon 3,000 years ago or today's neuroscientists that have weighed in on all of this. Believe it or not, Jesus has something to say about this very thing. Now, this may not be something that Jesus said that many of you have heard, but it's one that we should all know a lot better. So for context for this, Jesus is actually going back and forth right now with a group of people, and it becomes clear that what they're trying to do is they're trying to trap him. And they're just going to keep arguing with him about any little thing. They're just going to keep picking until they feel like they've won. They want to win. That's their goal is they want a win here. And so Jesus sees this, and he kind of gets tired of it. And so what he says in Luke chapter 7, verse 35 is, Wisdom is proved right by all her children. So we've been talking a lot about wisdom kind of through this, right? And wisdom's it's kind of a squishy thing. It's kind of gray. It's not a lot of black and white. Everything we've talked about, including these five guardrails, you're probably smart enough to find ways around each and every one of them. You're smart enough to figure out where the holes are in the logic of this or where the where the problems are with these, each one of these guardrails. And you can kind of reason out for you maybe just why these aren't, these aren't right. These don't make sense. This shouldn't, there's no reason to do this stuff. You can find a counterpoint for every one of these. And you can tell me exactly why I'm actually being judgmental or I'm being overly cautious or why all of this just isn't actually necessary. But here's what Jesus said. Time will tell. Or as they said in my neck of the woods growing up, the proof is in the pudding. Wisdom always has the last word. You may be able to win the argument because wisdom plays in those kind of gray spaces. So you may be able to win the argument. But in the end, you're going to ultimately lose in life. Because wisdom isn't proved right in the debate. It's not proved right in the debate. Wisdom is proved right in the outcome. Because establishing personal guardrails in your relationships isn't about other people. It's not about being judgmental. It's about your hopes and dreams. It's about your future marriage, about your future finances. It's about your future relationship with your kids. It's even about potentially putting yourself in a position to help those same friends who you distanced yourself from when the guardrails told you you needed to step back. It's about being in a position for where you may be able to pull their lives back onto the road out of the ditch when their lives went off the road. 
Now, I want to actually take a second here, and I want to pause. Some of you listening right now may be in the ditch right now. There are no guardrails that you put up in your life, or maybe you just ignored them and plowed right through them. And right now, your life is off the road. It's in the ditch, and you've been hurt. You've been hurt badly, and maybe other people have been hurt in the process. And the world may be driving right by you too, busy with their own lives. They don't care. Just like the people just drove right by me on Monday when I sat there on the side of the road. Or maybe just like Monday, people are driving by, one hand on the wheel with the camera, focusing because they want to put this on Facebook. They want to put this on Twitter because they want to laugh at it or get views on what's happening. And they're not, they don't really care. You may have had people maybe even people from within the church point their finger at you and shame you. But I need you to look at me right now, and I need you to listen to me. There is a God who loves you. There's a God who wants to and can restore you. He wants to heal your brokenness. He wants to return hope in your life. He wants to pull you out of the ditch and pull you back on the road. No matter how far off the road you are, or how deep in the ditch you are, he's calling you back to him. And we at Crossbridge would love to surround you with people who will help push you back onto that road, who will surround you and drive with you to keep you on that road. Our God is a God of hope. He's a God of restoration. And he offers it to each and every single one of you. If you want to know that hope, please reach out to me, reach out to Pastor Jimmy, reach out to anyone here, reach out to Pastor Will, reach out to us. We would be thrilled to share God's desire for hope and healing in your life. So if that's where you are, know that you don't have to stay in the ditch, that God wants to bring you back and he is willing to and wants to restore you. Now, if you're someone who you've given your life to Christ and you're following him, I really do feel like these guardrails, these are necessities in our lives. These are part of the warning system we set up to keep us from harm. And when we start to get off track, they put us back on track without creating a lot of damage. But our life, our life, if we're following Christ, it should not look like a car that is bouncing back and forth from guardrail to guardrail. That's not what our life should look like. When we're spending time in God's word, spending time in our small groups with people who can help us align our mind towards Christ together. We're spending time in prayer. These things keep us focused on God. Instead of careening from one guardrail to the next or driving in the shoulder, feeling that little rumble as we drive there, when our life is focused on God, we find our lives naturally pulling to the center of the road. The more time we spend with the God who created us, not only is it easier to stay on the road and out of harm, the clearer it becomes where the road God desires for us is and where it's headed. The people we've met can be our greatest regret. But if we establish guardrails in our lives and focus our eyes upon Jesus, we can not only keep our lives out of unnecessary hazards, we can find lives of joy and beauty that God desires for each and every one of us. We're so glad that you joined us today. 
We believe that steps of faith happen best in community, and we would love for you to connect and grow with us in a small group here at Crossbridge. Our chat hosts are dropping a link in the chat right now so that you can see all the virtual or in-person groups that we have available. If you have any questions, you're not sure what group is best for you, shoot us a message at prayer at crossbridgecc.org. We cannot wait to help you get connected. We are all about loving God, loving people, and serving the world. If you want to give to help further that mission, you can head over to crossbridgecc.org give for all the ways that you can contribute. 